Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce. My name is Ryan Kramer, and this is episode 136 of my show. This is my corner of the internet where I bring you the best and brightest in the Amazon e-commerce space, and extending that today into the uh, business world, into credit and travel, uh, which is kind of the not the topic that everyone loves to talk about today, but I know everyone wants to get back to it eventually. So uh, it, it's something that I'm really excited to dive into today, um, live with our guests today. But before we get started, just want to give a shout out to our presenting partner, uh, Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments uh, allows for sellers internationally to send and receive remittance all over the world internationally. Uh, their VAs, their suppliers and manufacturers, no matter where they might be to get their money, money back to them or to their location at a safe and affordable cost. And that being said, we've helped over 150 million customers worldwide and have done over $90 billion in cross-border payments, which is fantastic to do. It's safe and secure. It's free to sign up. Go ahead and check out those links in those comments section and the show notes below for your free account today and start saving and putting money to your bottom line today, which will, of course is what we're going to be talking about today and making your money work for you. And that's kind of the teaser I put out there today on social media is make your money work for you. Not a lot of people know how to do it, but when you do become very well-versed and how to make your money work towards you. Again, it could be in any asset of your life, both personally and professionally. You want to make your assets work for you so that you can grow faster, be more comfortable in your travels or whatever your growth opportunity trajectory might be. But then also just making sure that you know that every option is taken care of in that regard. So that's why I wanted to uh, bring in our guest today. His name is Eli Facenda. He actually has been over to 35 different countries worldwide. He started in the travel industry just as a person who, I, I mean, obviously we'll get back more into his uh, background, but he's fascinating because he wants to have credit work for you basically so that you can travel and help your business grow. And we're going to be diving into that topic today. So without further ado, let's bring on Eli Facenda of Elite Travel Systems, I believe, is uh, there. You go. Let's uh, bring in Eli. Eli, thanks for joining Crossover Commerce. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited, Ryan, to to be here and, and share this. Uh, hopefully, really valuable information for a lot of your audience. I think this is a um, a cool topic that a lot of people are kind of interested in, like you said. And but a lot of people don't really fully understand the power of what it means to fully leverage your credit, both to grow your business and to get tons of free travel. So I'm really excited to dive in share more of my insights and hopefully provide a lot of value to, uh, to you in the audience. Love it, man. And, yeah. And we connect actually over Instagram, which is where a lot of your, your uh, audience is, but, um, your background was fascinating for me in this context of making money work for you because it, it, it sounds very, very, sounds very cliche, right? A lot of people say like, Oh, make your money work for you. Uh, what does that really mean? How, how do I make my investments and assets work for me? And without like going into like super complex novelties, like what, what made you want to get into an industry and focus on this? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. So, I mean, the quick background story on that is, uh, like many entrepreneurs, I kind of stumbled into it by accident, you know? So, um, when I was graduating school, I had the opportunity to join this international sports tour company, which I still run with two business partners now. And we take sports teams on tours all over the world to compete and have this like cool cultural experience and vacation. And it's, it's amazing. But when we were first starting out, you know, I was an employee, I was trying to get equity. And one of the big costs of the company was travel. And I had heard right. about this points thing. And I was like, Hmm, maybe if I can, you know, showcase my value with like eliminating this line item or reducing it or saving us a lot of money, increasing profit margin, I'll kind of showcase my value, maybe I'll be able to get equity at some point soon. Um, and so I started to learn about it because I wanted to save the company money. And I also learned, you know, through that system at the same time, I was, you know, I was a young entrepreneur. I was hustling. I was doing, running, trying to build that business. I was coaching baseball lessons. I was driving Uber. I was working, I was doing all the, you know, hustling entrepreneur type things. And I wanted to travel myself. And that was what really drew me into entrepreneurship and this idea of kind of being your own boss and having freedom and flexibility. And so I remember learning about this and being like, oh, I can do this myself too. So I started to learn how uh, kind of credit works and how you can leverage it for yourself and how the power of having a business that has high expenses allows you to do that even faster. So that was how I got into it. And uh, over the last, you know, six, seven years, I really dove super deep down the rabbit hole into all things and points and miles and travel with credit. Also, how do you leverage business credit to scale? Because they're kind of two separate um, elements there. And how do you maximize your personal credit so that you can kind of 
get into this game because if you don't have good personal credit, you can't do either of those things. So that's how I kind of got in and where it led me. And it's just been an absolute blast because uh, like we, like I mentioned, most entrepreneurs, I talked to some that know about points, they have some here or there, or they have a little bit of credit, but they're leaving so much on the table and they don't know that yet. So it's, it's fun to share that. Well, and that, that's what our audience is always about is uh, our, our customers are, we're always preaching how to keep that money that's on the table and keep more of it. And I think that's the fascinating tie that we uh, have with each other is uh, there's so much more opportunity out there. And, and for everyone, again, this is, this is, uh, this is not to tell you like what you do with your finances. This is how to take your finances into, obviously I'm assuming what you're going to say, Eli is to scale it and make it work for you, whatever, wherever situation you might be in. So our audience is mainly in the e-commerce and, uh, Amazon space. So a lot of it is, I want to break away from my working for other people, work for myself, develop a product. Lots of money goes into it, developing, uh, product solutions, services, and sourcing, you know, the, the whole, the whole nine yards. Uh, when should I start worrying about my credit and start applying your principles? to my business. Is that sure. right away or is it down the road or when, when, when should that become a, at the forefront? Yeah, it's a great question. There's kind of a couple aspects to that number one is how clear are you on your, on your business goals and what you want? Cause if you don't really care about travel, there's still a lot of great ways to leverage credit to grow your business and, and play the cash back game and even just basically, um, use that to increase your profit margin. Um, but if you're clear that you want to travel, then, you know, I would say immediate because it's like, it's pretty powerful on that side. Um, and if you're clear that you want to grow and you don't have a massive amount of liquidity or you don't want to use all of your own cash, those should be some of the signals that say like, hey, I should really explore this credit thing because if I can use other people's money to grow my business and I can use points to travel for free, how many doors does that open towards you know the vision of the, or the goals of the business and, and lifestyle? Um, <clears throat> so I would say get clear on that. And then um, otherwise, you know, the, the other thing that brings a lot of people to the, to the door here is a lot of times people aren't necessarily looking at it for travel or business at first, it's that they've had a bad credit experience before. Maybe they had a late payment or collection or something like that. And they had to learn a little bit about how credit works because it was just a mystery to them before. And then they start to wonder, what else can I do with this? Okay. So that's a couple of the, the ways that most people get into it, but I would say get clear on your goals and see if having access to more capital, see if having access to more funds and more credit lines and having a ton of points to travel for free would help you get there faster. If the answer is yes, then, you know, there's no need to wait. Because the, the earlier you do this stuff, the earlier you build relationships with banks, the earlier you start accumulating points and learning how it works, the better it is for, for a longer term. Sure. So uh, obviously as a consumer, I have a couple of different credit cards. Is this something that I can do that these systems, you know, you, you, you learn about it and a lot of people, there, there's so many different financial, um, coaches out there and they will say like, Hey, don't have a credit card. Like only work with the, the debit or the debit cards and the cash that you have on hand the you know, the capital at hand, but with businesses, I think it's a little bit different scope, right? Because you don't have the capital or the ability to put that all up front. And if you do, that might be everything you have. So what, what's kind of that philosophy behind using credit or using investments or outside sorts of funding in order to get you started and then kind of allow you to like get your wheels turning a lot quicker, faster. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it ultimately comes down to risk, right. And what the risk reward is for you. And so there's guys out there, Dave Ramsey is a big one. He's a big proponent of like use cash only use debit cards. Don't use credit cards. And I think that's really good advice for maybe the majority of people that are not going to be financially responsible. And the honest truth is most people aren't financially responsible. So if you, if you're able to be financially responsible and learn how credit works, then it becomes blatantly obvious that this is just a better option. The reason being, number one, if you're gonna try and start a business and you need to grow, you, you need money somehow, right? Especially if you're in e-commerce, you gotta you know, buy inventory, whatever type of um, e-commerce uh, you know, business that you're running, you're gonna need access to capital and credit. So what do you do? Do you use your own personal money that could be going into long-term compounding investments? Do you give up equity in a company and try to go raise funds? Do you give up, like, do you go try and get like a conventional loan, which is pretty difficult? Uh, and you know, maybe you go get private money. That's going to have really high interest rates. Do you use your own personal credit? You could do that, but now you're going to wreck your credit score. So there's this option of business credit, right? And that's getting access to other people's money. We've all heard of OPM probably and leveraging that. And if you look at what most big businesses are doing or most bigger, bigger players in the entrepreneur space, 
they're taking risk, aka building their business with other people's money at low or 0% interest. And then they're putting their own money, protecting that and building their long-term wealth by putting into long-term compounding investment vehicles, right? That's what the majority do. Now, from a standpoint of using debit and cash versus credit, once you see the power of doing this, the only thing that can go, get in your way is if you become financially responsible, which means are you overspending or are you not able to put things on a 0% cards when you should? Or um, do you start to miss payments because you don't have a clear system or financial discipline to make sure you're making the payments on time? But if you get organized with that stuff, which is well worth it, there's, you know, it's not that complicated, then it's very much uh, a, a clear just like this is a much better way to grow because the alternative leaves you growing really slowly. If you're using your own cash, you know, you can you can bootstrap, but then you're, you're, you're waiting until sales come in to be able to really grow. And it's just a much slower process. So if you're all in on being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, and that's the trajectory you want to go in and you're committed to yourself, then, you know, I think using credit is going to be by far uh, a better, faster and easier method to get you to your end goal faster. So, yeah, a lot of when a lot of people say they start the business, I've heard the stories of, hey, I opened a couple of different credit cards and I use that to finance my my first order uh, from China or wherever I'm sourcing from. Uh, what, what does a credit card company look at when in terms of you're opening a business credit card? Because you say it's different than personal. Like my personal credit score would be reflective if I'm, I'm buying a house or a car, uh, an, an asset like that. Does that tie into business credit or does that tie or are they completely in, inevitably separate? In You're bringing up such a great point. And I, I really want to touch on this because it's a mystery to most people, right? Correct. And it's very important. So the way that business credit works is there is basically there's a personal credit score and there's a business credit score. Okay. Now to get business credit, you do not have to have, we well, don't really have to have any business credit score. You don't have to have a good business credit score. It doesn't really matter. It will help you. Yes, it's there. It's absolutely available. If you build it, it'll help you get bigger credit lines. But that's that's part one. So let's separate the scores, right? Now, what is actually what is the difference between actually getting business credit versus personal credit? It has to do with which uh, legal entity that is basically associated with those credit lines. So for you as an individual, it's your social security number. In the eyes of the IRS, that's attached to your name. In the eyes of the IRS, under business credit, it's attached to the business. Now, we've all gone through an application for stuff, and you do have to like sign something, right? So even if you're a small business owner and it's under a business, under an LLC, an S-Corp or a C-Corp, you still have to personally guarantee that debt, which means you're going to sign it. So if you're putting down a personal guarantee and the bank is saying, hey, worst case scenario, this business goes out of business because really in the eyes of a bank, any small business is risky, right? And that's why they require that personal guarantee until you're doing you know, significantly higher volume and you're really operating like a bigger corporation. But if you're that smaller level, like most people listening to this, then they're going to require a personal guarantee and that's where your personal credit does matter because they're saying if this business defaults, can this individual, do they have the reliable, are they reliable enough to pay this back? Because what do you, if you think about how it works from a system, banks are looking for credible borrowers. That's how they stay in business. They want to lend, right? That's how they are. That's how they operate. So they're looking for people with the best possible credit scores because they know those people are the most reliable to actually make sure the money comes back to them if things go wrong. So you do need a good personal credit score to get access to business credit. And there are other nuances to it. This is where you really need to learn the details of kind of how it works or go speak with someone or really research this stuff because there's kind of unwritten rules of getting business credit, especially if you want to maximize it, right? Because you can go apply for a card, maybe get a $2,000 limit. But if you're trying to scale an e-commerce store, that's not going to do that much, right? But if you can get a right. 20, 30, 40, $50,000 limit and you get a couple cards, now you're really in the game. So there's different orders, sequences, the checklist, things you want to go through to really maximize that. We could touch on some of those here if, if need be and ways that you want to set up your business and, and really have everything kind of in place before you go to apply if you really want to optimize um, yeah, getting access to that capital. Right, because the research I always do and the financial like responsibility that I have is uh, clearly there, there's all those rules in play, right? For personal credit, it's never having late payments. It's ne don't... Um, you know, don't try to take out multiple credit cards or don't have late payments in terms of uh, paying on time and in full, like, right. You don't want to just pay a minimum. You want to pay in full always. So you said financially responsible is the best way to go in that regards. Is there, you said there's a sequence of events. Does that mean like opening a credit score and like making that work, maximizing those perks, quote unquote, as you open them. And then once that is over, you kind of let it you move it to the side, don't use it for a while, and then move on to the next one? Or what's that sequence of events? I'm really curious about that. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I like to break things into five steps for people. So we'll kind of talk about this high level, how the credit game works, and it's more for like 
kind of points and miles, and then we'll talk about um, this specific step. So I break it into five steps. Number one is understand the rules of the game. Okay. Number two is basically create your application strategy there. Number three is going to be maximize business credit. Number four is going to be leverage your points effectively. And number five is going to be create the system to be able to keep this organized and simplified. So what we're talking about right now is understand the rules of the game. Now, you mentioned a couple things in your credit score. So there's five factors of credit. Payment history is number one at 35%. Utilization is number two at 30%. Average age is number three at 15%. Credit mix is number four at 15%. And then new credit is 10%. So when you start to understand this is a, your score is a weighted average. And really the key is you need to have your score you know, over 700, really over 720 to get most good rewards cards and really access to any business credit. So when you are looking at your score, you can look at where am I strong or where am I weak in, in a lot of these categories? Because you were talking about not having a late payment. Yeah, because that's a big factor of credit, right? If you're using a lot of the credit that's being lent to you, aka utilization, how much you're using versus how much be, is, that's being lent, then if you use a lot of that, your score is going to go down because it looks like this person might default soon, right? right. So what is, what is the order and sequence of stuff? Well, first, you need to get your credit score over 700. You need to understand these factors and understand how opening a new card or not opening a card may impact your credit. Right. Because a lot of people are sitting there with two or three cards and they're afraid to open a fourth because they're like, I don't want to get a new inquiry. I don't want to get a new card. It's going to hurt my score. When in reality, over the long term, it's really going to help. In fact, to have a perfect credit score, you need to have 21 or more different accounts reporting to your personal credit. So most people have no idea that's how it works. So you want to build this up and you want to do it just slowly over time so that you're improving your payment history. So you're using less of your utilization. So you're getting in the higher average age. So you're getting more credit mix and you're not getting too many cards in a short period, which is the, the inquiries. So that's kind of the foundations on the personal credit side. You wanna understand that. And then when you go through like the idea thing about applications, you wanna look at, okay, what are the requirements for business credit in general? A couple of those things we just mentioned, you have to be over 700 and 720. There's a few other kind of um, nuances there, but you also need to understand the bank rules because there's kind of unwritten bank rules, so to speak, that, uh, that will basically automatically get you declined at certain banks. So. For example, Chase has one called the 524 rule, which means that if you've gotten five or more personal accounts in the last 24 months, you'll get declined for any card with them, regardless of how good your score is or anything. It's just an internal rule. It's not like written on the website, but that's how they work. And each bank has kind of different nuances. So you want to understand when you're putting together, do I apply for this one first or this one first? And how do I handle that? You got to understand the rules because you don't want to just go out blindly, start applying and get rejected. That's not fun. And, and, and it will ding your credit a little bit, but, right. um, yeah, so those are a couple of things there, and I'm happy to dive in a little more into those. But uh, th these are some of the thought processes that you want to have when you're thinking about how do I go through thinking about applying and really kind of optimizing this game. Right. So they, you said they're unwritten rules. Is it is it just because? So how do people figure out these nuances? Is it just people in the banking world that just kind of like the education and thought leadership is kind of all pulling around it, and so that it leads you down this e I won't say easy path, but what are those factors beforehand that I need to know so that I don't like if I don't have one of those check marks, like it all is going to come crumbling down because it almost sounds like a very delicate house of cards, if you will. Like if I'm not stacking appropriately, it all might like backfire on me. That's not mm. that's not a possibility, is it? No, 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 not quite like that. It's more just that you would you would just be applying for stuff and getting rejected, or you'd get right. approved for a business credit card, but you get a really, really low credit limit because you didn't do things in the right sure. order. So. In terms of these unwritten rules to answer that question they're they're very written on the internet they're just not written on like the bank's website right <laughs> yeah. so uh that's more it's like that's, fight club it's like we don't talk about the first rule of fight club exactly exactly it. <laughs> yeah and that's um that's kind of the game there and now some of how they've been discovered so i mean a lot of people have been kind of playing the credit game for a while and so there's kind of these communities online where you know if you have so many data points that are getting the same response you can kind of um, excavate this rule, be like, okay, well, clearly this is a thing because we had a thousand people that just did this. 900 had this response, 100 had here. So we know this is kind of a rule, but also sometimes the banks will, let's say you apply for something and you get rejected and you're like, why was I rejected? They'll tell you on the rejection letter, but it's not something that they would have just like publicized on their website up front, Right. So that's something with those, uh, individual kind of banking rules. Um, and then in terms of things backfiring, it really doesn't backfire. The only way that this goes wrong for people in terms of leveraging business credit or um, playing the points game is there's there's really a couple simple ways. One is you start to overspend to kind of hit sign up bonuses with points when you don't need to, right? Because that is totally not going to work for you. Number two is if you get too many cards and you can't organize it, and then you basically just have late payments and your credit gets hurt, which if you have a system, it's really easy to organize that. You set up auto pay, you can go through that, but that's 
That's really simple. And then number three is going to be if you basically, let's say you're leveraging business credit, you're doing 0% interest business credit, and you think, okay, I'll get $20,000 on invest in the business. I have 12 months at no interest, and then I'll pay it off then at the end of the period. And it turns out you didn't have a winning strategy and you put that money somewhere and you lost it. Now you have $20,000 or mm. it's going to start accumulating interest. So that's the only real, real way. So that's why it's important. Again, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be all in on your business if you're going to leverage this and all in on having a winning strategy because you are basically lending to yourself, but you're going to have to pay that back at some point. It's not just like it goes away. Right. What about, um, is there certain things I'm spending credit on a uh, credit card on and then otherwise I'm paying like straight out outright for it? Like, for example, if I'm an entrepreneur, like there, there's other facets, like I can't use credit on, right? I can't use it to uh, pay my employees salaries. I can't use it to uh, a certain facets along the way. So what am I spending? What am I using credit in my business for in order to kind of build that, that good equity and kind of within myself and then growing it moving forward? What is it? certain topics or areas or, and we're avoiding others. Yeah. Great question. So there's a couple of things here. Number one, to most people's surprise, you can pay almost anything on a credit card, mortgages, employees, there's basically third party services that will allow you to do that. Um, they will charge you a fee if you're going to do that. Now, um, in that event, if you were going to go that route, you just need to make sure does the return I'm getting from the points or the leverage makes sense to eat that fee. Cause in some cases it will, in some cases it won't, you know, if you're, doing real estate investing, this is an e-commerce conversation, but you know, a common thing is someone's going to get, you know, private money or hard money and it might be, you know, 10, 11% interest. And if they're only paying a 2.5% fee versus 11%, it's a pretty good deal. So you can look at it that way now, but where, where should you really be leveraging credit? Let's take that part out of it. So you don't want to eat that fee. It just doesn't make sense. It's not worth it. Then what you really want to be doing is you want to be, you know, anything that can normally go on a card, any kind of everyday purchases, whether it's online purchases, physical purchases, services that you can put on a card that you're not getting charged a merchant fee for, you want to do that. And you want to understand how these different bonus categories work. Because as a business owner, if you have a certain kind of bonus category for purchases, whether you buy a lot from groceries or a certain type of uh, online retail or something like that, if you get cards that align well with those types of purchases, you know, you're going to be getting a lot more points or if you're playing the cashback game, you're going to be getting a significant amount more cashback which turns into a much higher kind of profit for you at the end of the day. So you want to analyze that. You can do that for both personal life and spending or and business. Um, and then the way that I like to say it is, you know, if you have a credit card, you want to look at, this is kind of some, some nerdy stuff, but you want to look at, am I getting a high enough floor on every dollar that I spend? You know, cause most cards will earn at least one point per dollar spent, but right. is there a way that I can get 1.5 points per dollar spent on everything or two points per dollar spent on everything. And then in certain categories, I can get three or four points. So then, you know, as you're spending as a business, the number of points you're racking up is, is significantly more than it would be with just one small little tweak. Right. Because in some categories, like you always see it advertised, right? Of like 2% on gas or something like that. And that's for like individual people. Is that, is that apply to businesses too? Like 2% when you buy wholesale or 3% when you travel? I mean, obviously I, I think it, it, it has the same categories, but th those aren't advertised anywhere. So where do you, wh what are those different like categories that are really going to start racking you up uh, yeah. points quicker. Yeah. They're, they're usually going to be on the, on the application for the card. It will say all those benefits. So you just have to look at the card application page um, or ask someone that kind of knows this and they can help you out and like analyze it for you. So a couple of the big ones for business, I mean, social media ads. So if you're running ads for your e-commerce store, depending on what um, business model you're operating, those will be a high bonus category for a couple of cards. There's um, shipping expenses, internet, cable, dining, travel, um, groceries, gas. So pretty much all major categories now, like a wholesale wholesaler and stuff like that, you're typically not going to be getting a bonus category on that. Um, and so if you go to like, uh, you know, a BJ's or Costco or something like that, that's usually going to code as a wholesale club. And you can see there's ways to Google online. It's called like a reverse merchant lookup. You can even see what category a certain vendor is going to code as on your credit card. So, you know, if it's a bonus category or not, so that's pretty cool. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to, to, to optimize that, but most major categories that are on the personal side also exist on the business and business actually has a couple more just because, you know, most individuals aren't spending that much on shipping or like office supply stores, but businesses are. So there are certain cards that want to kind of incentivize you and reward you for spending on that. So with that being said, you, you said offices and stuff like that. How, how has the industry effectively changed during a pandemic era? I would assume that I, it's maybe even harder 
to get credit or apply these same principles that you were talking about before the pandemic until like even up to potentially right now, how, what, how has that shifted? And then is there things that people need to look at coming out of this as effectively like uh, fixing something that they might have done in the past and make sure that they can readjust and move towards the future? Yeah, great question. So initially when COVID kind of all first started, you know, the, the, the big panic ensued like right away, um, things got really difficult for lending uh, across the board where it didn't matter what type of lending it was, banks were just restricted. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So um, that, that just increases risk by nature for banks. So that means they're going to be more restrictive to lending, right? So in terms of the points game, that didn't really change too much, but getting access to business credit and getting higher credit lines did um, because basically banks can lend off of the assets that they have. So they only have a certain amount of, you know, they can't just like make up as much credit line as they want. There's a certain way right. that it works. So they only have a certain amount of credit they can really lend out. So when, um, you know, when, when things get, when the industry shifts and when the economy shifts and higher risk kind of ensues on these businesses, they get more restrictive, right? So now things have kind of shifted back. We're kind of in a better spot from that standpoint. And actually a lot of the points cards, because people were, I mean, this is kind of the belief around it but because people weren't traveling as much unless people were getting these rewards cards for a long period all of these points programs came out of the woodwork with like crazy high bonuses so it's actually an incredible time from the points side to maximize those because there's like you know they have like all-time high offers where the card normally earns you sixty thousand points when you sign up and now it's at like a hundred thousand points or, or more sometimes so it's pretty cool to see how things have shifted um overall the same still things are the same things are still going to apply you have to have good credit you have to kind of know how business credit works with those items that we mentioned before and uh not too much has shifted there but uh initially it was it was a big impact so what what when i'm doing all this right and i actually make my credit work for me what's that look like uh walk me through a life of like eli and i you know i'm running a profitable business i'm doing all these things and you say you can use it for perks and traveling. Is that is that upgrades for seats or is that like as crazy as like privatized travel or like what are these perks that we're talking about in terms of like how you're able to take these principles, apply them to your own business model and then kind of move them forward and it not suck to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of things on that. So basically if we talk about using points here, there's kind of two sides to it. We call it the earn side and the burn side. All right. So you how much it's it's what there's two aspects to earn, how much are you earning and what type of points you're earning? Because there's all these different points and they're kind of like currencies, right? So, you know, you can use different points for different things. <clears throat> so you want to get what's called transferable or flexible points. Those are the most valuable. Those are going to be bank points like Chase, City, American Express, Capital One. And the reasons they're valuable is because you can use those and turn them into an airline mile when you need it or turn them into a different hotel point when you need that. So that flexibility helps you get better deals because you have more options and it just gives you a better ability to like fly on the actual route that you want to fly on rather than connecting maybe something like that. Right? So that's on the earn side. And then how much you're getting has to do with the bonuses on the card you're getting from everyday spending and the sign up bonuses. Um, those are the two primary ways to earn a lot. So if you align the right cards in terms of what you're spending, you earn the right points for you, which can be kind of custom to everybody but generally you want those transferable ones and then you use them effectively, meaning you redeem them well, then you're getting tons of free travel. And this is why using points is so much more valuable than cash back. If you're someone who travels, because with cash back, there's a, there's a ceiling. You might get 2% cash back on purchases. Well, that means you got 2%, um, you know, two pennies on every dollar, but if you get two points and then you can use those points for four cents a point, then you got 8% back right. on that, on that, purchase yeah, right you're using you're using the math in your favor in that regard so yeah, yeah i know for a fact like on credit cards like they will cap it like um for example like discover or anything like that they'll give you like five percent up to like 75 dollars cash back again that's a very simplistic principle for businesses 75 dollars is 75 dollars it's not gonna really like uh make or break you in that regards but uh for a personal like that might be you know an extra credit card or a night out or whatever that might be but for businesses points travel or like hotels so making sure that the math you know like what equates to what um cashback is really cool in concept i think personally but then like you said points almost like that the shift in cashback to points almost makes more sense to people is that where you really focus on for a business yeah yeah and i, I mean individuals do this too because you, you don't have to be a business owner to play the points game a lot of people do it without a business because mm -hmm. still when you earn points personally and you can use them if you like to travel you're going to get you're going to save a lot more so, I mean, cause like, let's say you got a card and it gave you $500 cash back 
and you could get you know a different card that's going to get you a certain number of points and the cards are maybe equitable in terms of like the annual fee and everything the same card and the same spend could give you five hundred dollars here or like three or four thousand here in travel you see what i'm saying so right. that's the difference maker now um again as a business owner since you're spending more typically than a consumer you rack up points faster which means more travel and, and there's one aspect to this as well that i want to touch on which is the tax implications because the way that it typically works let's say you're a business owner and you're going to take you know an epic vacation it's ten thousand dollars family goes it's a big blowout vacation whatever it is and um usually what happens is you're going to take you know distribution or you take the income from your business and then you're going to get taxed on it and you're going to use that money to go buy the trip you know maybe put it on your credit card and then you pay that off so that's with after tax money so let's say you're taxed at 20 percent. that cost of that trip isn't really ten thousand dollars it's ten thousand dollars plus the twenty percent you paid in taxes so it's really the effective cost to you is really like twelve thousand dollars now if you use points they're non-taxable whether you earn them from your business or whether you earn them personally they're not taxable so if you use points to cover that trip that ten thousand dollar trip which is typically very doable for most business owners now you don't have to take the ten thousand dollars out of your business which means you don't have to pay the two thousand dollars in taxes so you get to basically save the additional $2,000 on that trip from having used points. So not only is the trip free, but now you get the savings on taxes too. So it's pretty cool when you start to look at like, wow, if I add that up over how many times I'm going to be traveling over the next several years for personal vacations, like that, that could be a lot, you know? So yeah, for a listener out there to, to make it break it down, even if I'm understanding correctly, basically instead of paying additional taxes, because of like you said, your income, just in general, like money in pocket, uh, you're using points, but which isn't it's points are not like, Points, again, correct me if I'm wrong, are not like taxable entities. They're just like additional. doesn't matter if you're applying for personal use or professional use, right? It, correct. It, there's no like stipulation. Like you can have a business credit card, but you can't use it to buy your kid a, I, I don't know, like new clothes or anything like that or with, with the points or whatever, or send them on their trip to go see grandma and grandpa. Points are just like this universal, almost like, almost like a weird currency where it's like, nothing can touch it but it's like a made-up currency right by these by these entities essentially right just to use their your zero solution so using that the math makes more sense to say like instead of 10 plus you know two thousand so it's uh twelve thousand dollars or whatever the tax implication is you're talking about like eight hundred eight thousand dollars instead of ten thousand so you win more in that regard. So I, I see where the math kind of works in that favor that's really cool so what's kind of a crazy story maybe personally that you can share with our our listener and or listeners and say like real world implications like i started my business i started making all these things uh things work for me and then i was able to do xyz like what, what are some of these like goals i guess people can mm -hmm. start actually setting for themselves knowing that they can make credit work for their business growth but then also actually save money in the process sure sure yeah so well, a couple of things. So I'll talk a little bit on the travel side first. Um, so there, there's been a bunch of trips. I mean, I've gotten, I haven't paid for a flight. I mean, I paid for a couple, but I haven't played for a flight without having a choice in a long time. There's sometimes where I'm like, I'll save my points for later because it'll get better value. I'll just pay yeah. cash if you have it. But I haven't had to pay for a flight in like five or six years, so that's been awesome already. But if you heard uh, me, if you heard me huff, I am stewing over here, and I am, I'm just upset because like. This is something personally I would like to do too, but like you, you travel, um, like your job is traveling almost, right? Like, so is, is that, is that something when you say five to six years, is that because you're traveling so much or like, what if I'm somebody who actually doesn't travel a lot? Can I still do the same thing and, and not pay for a flight every so often? Or what, what, what's kind of like, I feel like you would rack up more points quicker. So you're not able to um, do that. Does that make sense, Eli? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense, but that's, it's actually not quite how it works. So the way that I'm traveling is from points earned from credit cards. It's not really from points earned from flying because when you use points mm. to travel, in most cases, you're not going to earn any. So like if you use United airline points to book United flight, you're not accruing any points. Right. Back. You're just spending. You're not actually accruing while spending. Yeah. Like, they, yeah, exactly. yeah they, don't, they don't give you points to be redeemed for that trip. Right now, right. Hotels, hotels work a little bit different in terms of like status and, and status is a little bit different. So that can help. But yeah, this is entirely based off of, opening the right cards, maximizing points, maximizing bonuses, playing the game the right way, um, which doesn't really cost you anything really. And then accumulating the points and using them effectively for free travel. So yeah, I have been doing kind of the nomad thing for the last six months. 
Um, so I've been going kind of full-time travel from here and, you know, I was getting on average, I mean, I'm about to go move and sell down, but I've, I've had about a week in a hotel per month for free. All my flights covered most of them business or first class getting lounge access along the way, paying, not paying for bags, getting, you know, breakfast at hotels, wipe free Wi-Fi, you know, upgrades, stuff like that. So it becomes, it's funny because it becomes normal once you kind of get into the game. But, um, have, my favorite thing about it is having the ability to just say, you know, let's take COVID out of the, out of the situation here. Being able to sit here and be like, do I want to go to Japan tomorrow? Yeah, I could go tomorrow. If you have the flexibility right. of business, you can fly first class. You can have five nights in a hotel for free. You can have a $6,000 trip. You could go tomorrow. And if you have points, you don't have to worry about like, um, the cost is the cost is too much. So I like personally, the whole reason I love this is because to me, it's just about freedom. You get more choices. You get more options. You don't have to feel that kind of restriction of being like, I don't want to spend the money. It doesn't make sense. I can't justify it. When it's with points, I mean, sure, you can always use the points later, but you can be like, man, this is cool. Let's go. I want to do it. And you can just pick up and go. So, so does, lo does loyalty come into play in this? Because like, I'm, I'm personally like, I'm coming at from my viewpoint of like, I'm, I, you know, you have a couple of credit cards that you pay off in full and, you know, they rack up every so often or they rack up and like, oh, that's nice. Like I can, you know, do this, but does loyalty have anything to do with either uh, hotel status or flights? I think those would be the main two big ones that that might be a factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, typically you're going to get more value from not worrying about loyalty and just getting points with different programs, then you are going to get value from, from being super loyal right off the bat. Now, if you travel a lot, then loyalty becomes a big factor, but for the average person who's not traveling much, it's not really that worth it to be like, Oh, I only fly Delta or I only stay at Marriott because if you're doing a few trips a year, you're not really going to get any status that's worth much. Sweet. You might get a water bottle when you check into the hotel. Like that's not that, that awesome. You know, I'm like, yeah, but if you're traveling, Free warm cookie, yeah, I love those. Exactly. Yeah. Gotta love the double tree. They, that's right. Um, but, uh, but if you're traveling a decent amount or if you travel a lot between the same places, then it makes sense to, you know, specifically in the hotel side status is, is much, I think much more valuable because it's easier to get, um, like it's easier just to obtain that value with airlines a little bit lesser known. It's, less common that you're going to get the upgrade or, you know, that kind of thing. If you have staff. It also depends on where you live too, right? You have to actually have flights that are operating near your entity, no matter in the world, wherever you live. Uh, exactly. If they don't have a direct flight from Indianapolis, which is where I live to uh, Japan, doesn't do me very good to like hop on a flight to Japan. Like I'm going to still have to connect somewhere uh, international. But if you're in Chicago, New York, LA, uh, Miami, wherever those like major cities are, it might be a little bit more feasible to, to think about in that regard. So yeah, maybe let, let's like break it down. If I'm, if I'm going to like, who are my go-to, like who's offering the best perks rewards that I should like sign up today for if I'm listening to this. Sure. Yeah. So again, you want to, if you there's two ways to play the game, fully optimize it or like kind of get a card here or there and get some points. If you want to fully optimize it, the first question you should really ask before that is, what are my goals? Like what type of travel do I want to do? Is it about first class? Is it about international? Is it about getting really good hotel perks and I have a big family and I like to travel or I fly this route all the time. If that's the goal, that's a, the, the case, then really, you know, you want to understand the game. You can go learn it yourself. If you want, you can talk to someone like myself that really helps people do this because it simplifies everything. I took the hard route. I learned it all on my own. It just took a really long time because it is can be complicated to take on all the information at first, but that's category one. Now, just the simple answer to that. Uh, category two, if you're just like, I just want a card. I don't really want to learn all this. I just want to get a little bit of benefits. Then you want to look at a couple different, uh, currently to date, there's a couple different awesome promotions. One is the chase Sapphire preferred is a hundred thousand point signup bonus. And the signup bonuses are where you're going to typically rake in the most points. Um, number two, the city premier has an 80,000 point signup bonus, which both of those, if you use those points at their minimum value, the chase card is worth at a bare minimum for travel, 12, 1250. So $1,250, the annual fee is 95. So that's right there. The city premier at a base value min bare minimum, if you use it as poorly as possible, is worth $800. But if you use them well, that chase card could be worth three, four, maybe $5,000 or more. And the premier card could be worth, you know, two, three, $4,000 or potentially more too. So those are the two of the top promotions right now. Um, and if you're a business owner and, you're, and you have a lot of high expenses, again, you want to analyze because that's going to be custom to everybody. So it's really hard to give a, a blanket answer on that. You want to analyze what your needs are. The charge cards with Amex are good. Now these are different than credit cards because they don't have a limit. So basically they have, uh, you have to pay it back in full each month. But if you have a store, 
that has really high monthly cash flow and you need to scale, then you want to get charge cards because you can rack them up higher as long as you have the cash and liquidity to pay them down at the end of the month. So that'd be like the Amex Gold and the Amex Platinum. Um, so those are a couple that I'll throw out. And uh, again, if you have questions on this, reach out to me. There's people like myself. We have the ability to kind of consult you on this stuff. We also have affiliate links or referral links. So I like to get other people points. So if you're going to apply, you know, that's another way to earn points through referrals. I'll take someone else's link and give it to you. And someone else applies to take your link and give it to them. So now I'm earning you points. So it's kind of cool to have that. Everyone whole wins there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. It's a win-win. So let me let me get this. Do you have a, this might sound really stupid. Do you have a black card? Like, is that a thing? It is a thing. I don't have it. Um, that's basically going to be based on the amount that you spend per year. Um, honestly, though, the the perks of it are like you get a lot of like awesome concierge stuff, but the annual fee is super high. I forget what it even is. I think it's a couple thousand dollars, though. And, right. It means uh, like no limit, right? If I'm a person, I'm yeah. like, what's a black card? It means like literally no credit limit. Uh, they just let you spend, but it's typically for like super loyal or just really rich people, I would say. Like we're really rich yeah. businesses. So uh you have so, to pay a package that, though so that's that's the thing i want people to think like free spending like you owe it, <laughs> you owe it oh yeah it. yeah it's like you actually owe it back but it's just like hey put it on the card and you still pay for it yeah exactly right. so so function in a similar way by the way so like those those have a thing called spending power where it kind of warms up but it doesn't have a firm limit so at a certain right. point you just got the card and you haven't like spent a lot on it you know at a certain point it's going to say like okay this is your your limit for the month but as you warm it up and you spend more, you'll have like basically no no official limit to it. They'll, they'll do it. They'll give it for you because I've I've personally given it. Yeah, they, they're just like, hey, by the way, your credit limit is because you've been consistent and great customer. Hey, we're going to bump it up like $2,500 bucks or $10,000 or whatever it might be. Um, and then you can always request higher limits if you need it too. Uh, so we, we talked about like the best like personal car. Like those are personal, even if I just day to day the chase sapphire i've always heard like rumors about that so just signing up in general is good it's 95 dollars fee is that a turnoff for people do you think that's a barrier mentally they're like i have to pay an annual fee to use a credit card when i'm already spending money is that a is that a big barrier for people do you think it's a barrier if you don't understand the value if you understand the value of you're trading 1200 for 95 so to me that's a pretty easy that's right. Well, I'm saying like, how do people not? Yeah. Is it, is that just a disconnect where people don't understand like the points and how it's worth yeah. like signing up? Okay. Exactly. People don't understand that. And so they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't seem worth it. And a lot of cards don't earn that many points. And so, you know, if you don't use it, like over time, the annual fee will, will outpace the benefits you're getting. But there's all sorts of ways after the first year you can downgrade the card. Cause basically these cards are kind of like, like there's a bank and then within the bank, there's like a family of cards. There's, there's there's like the chase sapphire cards you can think of it like cars you know there's like the mid-tier luxury and like base version right so mm -hmm. if you don't like the fee you can downgrade it you know and there's other cards where like the chase sapphire preferred is the one that i mentioned 100,000 points for a 95 fee there's the chase sapphire reserve which is like um 60 000 points but it has i think a 595 annual fee right now in that one but that one comes with like a lot more perks like you get like all this lounge access and credit statement credits and stuff like that so you want to be able to basically know which card is the right entry level for you, but know that there's usually going to be options to downgrade and that gets you out of the paying that fee annually if you don't like it. But that is a barrier for a lot of people. And so the encouragement there is look at the value you're getting from the card because a lot of cards take the points out of it. Just the perks alone, you should profit from holding that card if you can if you can use it right, right? Because there's so many credits that come with these things. Most people just don't use those effectively. And you can use that for personal or product. Uh professional right you can use either of those or is one business only and one's not yeah no so yeah the cards are going to work similar you think of like yes yeah, it, it basically the the perks and benefits might change in terms of what the benefit is but the mm -hmm. way that it works in terms of having credits having annual fees having perks and stuff like that it's going to apply on both personal and business cards so it, it works, works across the board so eli my question to you let's fire off a couple like your favorite uh either loyalty programs or you know, airlines to travel because they offer like either the most incentives perks easier to, yeah. to like make life a little bit nicer uh, for you because you're putting in the hard work. Uh, we talked about credit cards. Like, obviously it's not like loyal one to another. Uh, what about hotels? Like what's the best loyalty program? They can be a part of Yeah. That. Yeah. Hyatt is the best if you're using points. Typically, if you like to use a lot of points, Hyatt's going to get you the best value, best bang for your buck, almost bar none. Um, if you're traveling a lot to, tons of different places marriott ends up being really good um is that the bonvoy yeah the family of whatever the bonvoy collection of hotels now or whatever 
they yeah, changed their yeah, name recently. Yeah, that's that's the rewards program, exactly. And um, that one's good. They have just so many hotels. Um, there's some differences there. Like if you go to a lot of beachy places, then you don't want to go to Marriott because there's a thing called resort fees. And mm. if you use points, Marriott doesn't waive them. But Hyatt and Hilton will waive those if you book with points. So, you know, if you're going to the Grand Hyatt in Kauai, for example, I think it's like $60, $70 a night in resort fees. If you booked with points, you're going to you're going to save that every night. So over a week, that's, you know, could be a couple hundred dollars. Um, but if you were at a Marriott version, a Marriott property there, and they have the same resort fee, you're not going to be able to get out of it no matter what. So, sure. so Hyatt typically is the one I suggest there. Um, and then Marriott's my my second favorite just because there's so many of them. The standards usually are pretty good. And um, there's so many ways to eat, earn easy Marriott points too. What about, um, I'm trying to think of other ways. Uh, I guess airline would be the next one. Is there ways to percolate through uh, the perks through, <laughs> percolate through the perks? Man, look at me today. Uh, <laughs> uh, easy way to earn points and the perks actually go farther or they're more nice uh, than other ones that might be offered? Yeah. So kind of two levels here. There's like a really advanced level and a basic level. The advanced level is taking these transferable points and understanding like who they partner with and being able to move them around because there's alliances within the airlines. So for example, the United Airlines is a part of the Star Alliance, American is part of the One World Alliance and Delta is part of the Sky Team. Now they all have partners. So you can book a United ticket with Avianca miles because Avianca is in the Star Alliance too. And you could turn your Amex points into Avianca to book United. It can get complicated when you do that. But knowing how to do that kind of stuff is really where you get like the crazy, crazy value, where it's just like ridiculous. Um, that is a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> yeah, you need to know what you're doing or just research it um, to be able to maximize that. But the basic version, yeah, I mean, you just get, you know, points on a specific card and you, you fly out that airline. That's going to depend a lot on your hub. Um, so a couple of good options. If you are someone that travels with, you know, spouse or significant other or, or someone else, the Southwest Companion Pass could be a really good option because what, the way that I, that works is you get one person that flies free with you for um, the duration of the year that you get it, and then the entire next year. So if you fly a lot with a spouse, you guys might be getting you know two free seats, or sorry, one free seat on every flight you go on for almost two years if you do it right. So there's ways to do that. Um, and then secondly, I typically like American Airlines for flying domestically if you're going to go um, down like just a specific airline route. I just find they have the easiest cards to earn a lot of points with. They have a good amount of cards and um, they tend to have, you know, a lot of really good routes and their the redemption levels in terms of the number of points required to book with them are pretty good compared to like the other major ones, Delta or United. Uh, my favorite domestic airline though is JetBlue. They just don't have a ton of good routes. Like if you want to get like the best domestic. First it's all class, East Coast, right? It's almost like all East Coast. Yeah, they do like. some trans, yeah, they do some trans, uh, transcontinental flights, but it's the hubs are mostly... Yeah, East Coast. I think there's Salt Lake out there too. Um, but yeah, it's Randomly not Salt Lake. Not as big of a, <laughs> yeah, they're starting to do a little bit more internationally and everything like that. But JetBlue's great. I really, I really like them. They don't have a ton of ways to earn points, but they're definitely one of my favorites to fly. Very nice. What? So internationally, uh, if you're if you're not domestic, because I'm not sure where you're operating out of technically. Um, where where am I going internationally out of the United States? Is it if I'm going like to China or if I'm going to other uh, international hubs to visit my supplier or manufacturer, like my, my teams are going business travel to Europe. Uh, what's the best way to like help you internationally? Yeah. Um, well, so first off, a lot of times, especially if you're flying premium, which if you're flying that far, like it's such a difference to get a lay flat bed and get the lounge before and champagne and have warm cloth. Like that whole thing is to me, that's a, that's a big difference. Tell me more. I was yeah, going to say, I've never been a part of this perk. So tell me more about it. It looks well, nice. It's fun. It nice. You do that and you're like, wow, that was free. It's like, it's, I mean, that's what got me hooked. The first time I ever um, really got in the points game, I took a trip to Thailand with friends, which was cool. It was an economy trip. And this was like years ago. And then a few years later, I flew to London um, for a conference in business class. And I got on the plane and I always say like, I turned left and then I never wanted to turn right. Cause you get on, you go to that first class section where it's like lay flat beds. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, so why do they do it? That's why you have to go through the front, right? So it's almost like going to the back to the sales section. They take you through the premium section. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is what I really want. Yeah, exactly. Just angry walking through. But on the bigger planes, you usually walk in kind of in the middle and you're going to like the first class usually the left. So you don't even see it because like private. And then you go mm -hmm. to the right, you can like bigger international planes. But a couple things with the international flights, um, most international carriers, specifically like some of the major European ones, so the major Asian ones, are better than like a better experience than like US 
domestic ones, just like the service is nicer. It's more luxurious, stuff like that. Some of the Middle Eastern ones, I mean, there's the Emirates A380 is like this iconic flight in the points nerd world, but you get, there's a shower in the sky. There's a, you get a champagne bar up there. It's ridiculous. I mean, and that ticket's going to cost $20,000, $25,000 sometimes if you're going to fly that. And that's going to be from like New York to Dubai, stuff like that. So Great. there's ways to do that. That's a little bit like extravagant luxury, which is not very practical. But if you're like, I want to go to China, yeah, you want to understand, well, you know, where are you coming from? But look at the different kind of top airlines that are flying these international uh, routes and just research a little, a couple of top ones. I mean, Singapore Air is really good. Qantas is really good. Um, ANA, which is a Japanese airline, is really good. Those will all get you there. Um, Cathay Pacific is a really good one. And they fly a lot into China. So it just depends on, on kind of where you're coming from. But there's so many amazing options. Um, yeah, it's hard. it's honestly hard to pick. There's There's just so many good ones. What's the greatest perk that you've ever received kind of as we wrap up this episode um, that people can kind of like, are you serious? Like, that's a thing. Is there anything that's like mind blowing to you that it happened? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I got a pretty ridiculous deal a couple of years back. Now, after I compare it to this Emirates $25,000 flight, it's not going to sound that cool, but it was pretty awesome. So I was flying from Tokyo to Copenhagen, um, actually. And I was with a tour group that we were running and I had to book last minute because there's a lot of things changing. And uh, the retail ticket cost for this trip was like $7,800 and it cost me like $50. And I booked two days out. I got to fly first class, you know, get all the awesome lounge experience, flying a Lufthansa. So it's like the German airline. They have all the, you know, German beers and great service. And it's like on the upper deck of the plane. And uh, that was just like, I was like, I can't believe I'm paying $60 for this. Like that's whatever it was. It was like, it was ridiculous. So that was a really fun one. Um, and I've had a few similar to that, but that was the one that for me most recently stands out as like, uh, just being last minute, being able to go like that and not have to pay for it was so, was just so much more fun. Yeah. And maybe Eli, th that's amazing. And I think like a lot of people are like, I really do want to travel. And I think that people got that itch still and it's still happening. I know a lot of things are uncertain. So like, give me your perspective, like in the, you're technically in the travel industry, but helping uh, people move around. What's it like right now in terms of like for you, like, is it frustrating still? Is it very like scary? Is it, is it feel more comfortable to you? Like, I know you do it so much, but yeah. like from your eyes, what, what's it like right now? Yeah. Great question. So there's a couple of things to that. Um, the first thing is when it comes to thinking about points, don't wait until you want to book a trip to think about points. Cause it's way too late. Think about how the process works. You're going to get a card. <clears throat> they're going to give you 90 days to hit a sign up bonus, right? Then you're going to earn the points. So we're talking about depending on how much you spend, it might take you know 90 to 110 days, 120 days to get to earn the points on a card. And you may have multiple cards, but then you need to book it, right? You don't want to book a week before because usually there's less availability or it's more expensive or whatever. So you want to book a little bit further out. So even if you want to travel in the spring or the summer next year, now is a great time to start amassing as many points as you can because one of the most common things I hear, people come to me is like, I got this flight next week. The tickets are crazy pricey. I want to use my points. What can I do? And I'm like, okay, what points do you have? And they'll be like, I have like 20,000 here. I'm like, well, that's not going to get us very far. We need, you need to have kind of asked this like months ago. So save yourself that issue. Think about it in advance. But to answer your other question about like, how is travel now? It honestly varies so much. Some people, it's just by person right now, because some people are really cautious still. They don't want to travel. They're concerned. And they're like, I'm not traveling. I don't want to do this. And some people are like, you know what? I'm going. And so it's really varying. It's kind of crazy to see like the, the different responses. It's not, there's no uniform answer to that. Cause some people are like traveling more and doing the whole nomad thing and just like, you know, going bonkers, having a blast. Right. And some people, you know, are really, really just saving their travel for a later time, which either way is totally fine by me. It's just, uh, I'm seeing crazy differences in preference right now. Right. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think a lot of people just like one degree or another safety is like a, the biggest component, right? We saw this after so many different like major mile markers in like history of like, you saw like, I hate to say like, it's like 9-11, you saw a lot of people not travel. And then all of a sudden people became comfortable with it again. You start to see like those barriers mentally or physically have to overcome for each person. Uh, but I know like there's different things, like people feel safer now, even on an airline than before, because they have to go through strenuous you know, health regulations and stuff like that. It almost feels like more safe in this regards to travel now from what I've heard than other people. Um, so with that being said, kind of like, what are you working on? Like what, what's kind of the future look like for you, your team, like the industry, like what, what are you excited about moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to just have more people 
living these awesome experiences that we, you know, dream up a lot of times, I just think about, you know, you, you really dig into the why that you might get into business. And a lot of times, you know, it's impact, it's freedom, it's kind of being your own boss. But that for me, the, my, one of my biggest just core values is adventure. I just love like the spontaneity of travel. And my favorite thing is providing that experience to other people, whether it's in person on with our tour company that we have, or we're taking people overseas and like showing them the world or just providing someone, you know, an amazing travel experience they might not have had otherwise, um, or more luxurious experience than they've ever had. I think experiences are just so valuable and they're, they're so much more valuable than buying things. To me, that's kind of what motivates me. So um, just continuing to help people that are kind of aligned with that, uh, you know, see more of the world, do it more in a, in a better fashion and just having fun doing it. You know, at the end of the day, I look at this whole points and credit thing as like a gift. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's funny because when you really get into like the, the points nerd community here, like you hear a lot of complainers sometimes about like, I can't believe this airline did this. They changed my valuation of these points to this and this. It's like, you're getting free flights. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're still, you're still going for free. Right. It's still free. Like it, it's amazing. I mean, it's like such a cool system that it even exists. And it really only exists mainly in the US, unfortunately. I mean, some international countries can get access to Amex cards and there's some points in like European countries and stuff like that, but it's not quite, well, it's not remotely close to the same that is here. Canada is a close second, but the US is like the gold mine for this. Um, so I'm just excited to continue to play that game and and help people grow their business using business credit stuff we talked about, getting tons of free travel and just, uh, yeah, just getting them further along on their path as an entrepreneur and have more fun. Yeah, well, and now you even hear uh, the simplistic nature of like, uh, I'll put like a quick little recap is not only is this like giving you a little bit more luxury, but also is freeing up a lot more time, money and resources that you might not otherwise have. So whether that be like growing faster, um, just being able to like get on a plane last minute to go meet a client, like and do it without any sort of like compensation repercussion or compensation repercussions like two thousand dollars to go across country to meet with a client like i can just throw on my points and i get on there and it's free but it might save me business long term or i can go see my supplier more often than i need to and again this is all in bubbles of uh each individual people um in situations so i think that's what's so fascinating about this industry is like people get look at it uh just like they look in the finance world look at it like oh that's too hard to to think about or to learn about or to overcome. And then they just kind of back away and they just work with what's comfortable. And I know I need to do a better job. I'm sure like you've heard like, Hey, maybe I'm going to just go for it and just really put my foot uh, to the pedal and, and understand this industry and really start making it work for me. So I think that's what entrepreneurship is about. I think that's really cool what you're doing uh, for your, your business and then helping other people grows too. So you like if people want to reach out to you or like, just connect. Is it Instagram? That's the best way. What, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Instagram is definitely the best way. It's where I'm the most active um, and sharing the most just tips, insights. As I've been traveling the last several years, I'm sharing kind of the how to behind the scenes of like, Hey, here's how I'm running the points. Here's how I'm traveling. Here's the hotel. Here's the room tour. Here's the flight, all that stuff. So you can tag along with that, ask any questions. If you got questions about certain cards that you should get, or really wanting to optimize this, definitely reach out to me. I can fill you in on kind of what you may be missing on or leaving on the table if it's still unclear from that regard. Um, I've got a fun kind of, I actually have like a calculator that I <clears throat> that I help people kind of understand is, hey, if you're spending this much, based on how much you're spending, you could probably be getting this much in travel. So it's fun to, to break that down. But Instagram is definitely the best, Eli Travel Guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I would love to connect with anybody here and talk travel, talk credit and uh, and have some fun. All the fun stuff we want to always talk about, right, is is the travel component. Like I know I have an Italy trip that's just on hold until... Uh, we're waiting to get that back. It's just sitting there. Like it's, it's all paid for. It's like, we're just waiting. Uh, but that, that's like me personally. I know lots of people are excited about all the different places they can travel in internationally or domestically. It can, it can work for you in this regard. So I'm excited. Thanks for hopping on, man. Like this is really exciting that we got to connect and uh, share some insights from you and your team. And uh, I'll be following along and I'm sure I'll send a message or two like, Hey, what about this? <laughs> so uh, I appreciate your time, Eli. And uh I put the link to your website too, also in the comments and show notes. So if you're interested in that, that guys, uh, make sure you check it out um, to leverage your travel and business uh, credit to level leverage your travel and business growth. So thank you so much for hopping on today. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. And, and yeah, thanks no. for the platform to, to help share this. Of course. Thanks, Eli. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Again, this is episode 136 of Crossover Commerce. Uh, this is Mike Warner of the internet where I help you, the entrepreneur, grow their 
Amazon e-commerce business, this is a little bit outside of our realm of make sure that when you do travel and when there's a business and money involved, uh, certain aspects, you can really make it work towards your business and make things a little bit easier. Again, alle uh, alleviating some time constraints, money constraints, and making it a little bit nicer to either travel or just uh, work and network with people. Um, the entrepreneur life doesn't have to be all uh, hard work and grunt and no, uh, no relaxation. You can actually enjoy those things along the way by doing some of those tips and resources, uh, using those resources that Eli had mentioned earlier in the episode. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time next week when we have more content on Crossover Commerce. Take care.